welcome back to your favorite new podcast, Wild Quincy. Chris Ketters here with Travis Hoffman. Travis, I'm a little concerned. We haven't looked in Chris Dewar's basements, but I'm concerned about what else might be down there. Boy, I don't know if I want to know. I mean, it sounds like kind of a Pandora's <laughs> box situation. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, uh, of course, you missed out. Chris Dewar came on uh, last episode talking about sports in the tri-seats, and he also mentioned some Lost Boys of Hannibal stuff, which mentioning about something about the boys being in his basement, and uh, some people got a, got a kick out of that. So Chris is a, a good character, though. We loved having him on. He hadn't checked that episode out. We had a lot of fun. He's a firecracker, Chris. He is. He is. So speaking of a lot of fun, Travis... If you're not on Patreon, you're missing out on a lot of fun. Boy, you know, ugh, what What are you waiting for, guys? We just had the great golf tournament. We're going to probably see some footage of that coming on the old social media, how uh, how our, our wild thing, uh, Cindy, cleaned up at the uh, mini golf outing. Both trophies, Chris. Well, like she wouldn't even try yeah. it. I think she might be a, like a pool hustler on the side. It's incredible. I will tell you this real quick. She did tell me as we were driving out for the Levy Walker thing that her dad is in the Quincy Golfers Hall of Fame. Oh, come on. She was stacking the deck. She was, pre- <laughs> man, man. Ugh. No, that was a fun time, Chris. And if, if you're looking for some additional content and you like what we have going on here, every between every episode biweekly, we have an episode on the Patreon side. Sometimes we do a kind of an elaboration on the previous episode. Sometimes we just kind of have a little fun, talk about Quincy stuff. We were reminiscing recently about some uh, Quincy establishments, doing a fun hybrid situation. If you had to pick two Quincy restaurants, mix them together and use like signature dishes for to make a new hybrid creation, what would it be? This is the kind of stuff that you're missing out on, Chris. And, and we're part of it, and they can be too for just a few bucks a month. This is our season finale, Travis. We have our review episode coming up next week, but this is the last episode of season one. We're all wrapped up, and I say that because I, I got a little chuckle as you were talking because I think it was really early, like episode one or two, you had this funny liner where you're like, you know, if you were given a piece of pie and the pie was cut in half, wouldn't you be disappointed <laughs> that you didn't get that full piece of pie? I know I get would that be. Pie. That's why you should get into Patreon. Can I rag on my sister for a minute just because I don't know sure. if she listens and I'll find out now? She could never cut a pizza right. You know, like, how do you cut a pizza, Chris? Like if you're cutting a pizza. Uh, well, it depends. Uh, we uh, we like squared pizza, but we okay. will do okay. the cuts. That's acceptable. Like, you know, do the, yeah. But otherwise, you make the plus sign, and then you make the exclam mm-hmm. or not exclamation point. That'd be weird. You make <laughs> what kind of pizza are you? It's cutting? very special. No, you do the plus sign, then you go you, you flip it ninety degrees, and you do like the X, right? Then you got your mm-hmm. I don't do math good, Eight but pieces. equal pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I could always tell growing and maybe she's gotten better, but she did a heck of a job just mangling. It's like that that uh, thing you see on Facebook, how to make your whole family really mad on Thanksgiving by taking a centerpiece of the pumpkin pie. Have you seen that? You just cut it right out of the yeah. middle. Oh, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good, good stuff. Hey, I'm really going off to left field. Let's get back on track here. That's all right. Well, and uh, so we'll have to see. Uh, so your sister's questionable at pizza cutting. Mine, uh, as you'll find out shortly, may have had some parties in some in some fields growing up. There you so go. The dirt's, dirt's coming out. Well. 
Yeah. Well, before we get to the to the meats and potatoes of this episode, Travis, are you ready for the question of the day? I am. I can't believe this is the end of season one almost, Chris. This is crazy. But my, I'd love to see what my track record is on these questions of the day on right versus wrong. We should do it. We should do a thing. We should we should do a poll or like a count at the end of the season. To see how you're doing. Well, this Travis, this question of the day is since this is our season finale, we usually preface. Uh, something in our question of the day for next season. Well, next season's a, a few weeks away, and uh, we're still working on kind of the uh, the layout. We kind of think we know what the episode's going to be, but we want to make sure before we commit. There's so much good stuff that we're having to exactly. like, pick around exactly what we want to tackle exactly. first. So this is one of the uh, questions I came up with earlier this year, and uh, I sat on it because I thought it was pretty cool, and it was a neat little question, but uh, I'm going to throw it out to you now. Are you ready? Bring it on. All right, here we go. There are 26 city-owned public parks in Quincy. From smallest to largest, can you rank the following parks by size? Oh, God. In alphabetic order, here are your choices. They are Mormon Park, Quincipi Island, South Park, and Wavering Park. Oh, so wait a minute. So I've got to list all those in size order? So write them down. Hold on. So write Hold them down. On. Let me find some paper here. Just yep, find just some paper. Here. So here's the question while you're finding the paper. There are 26 city-owned public parks in the city of Quincy. From smallest to largest, rank them from size. All right, so your options of those Everybody places are... Everybody get your paper, too. Don't make me be alone here. All right, what we got? Mormon Park. Mormon. Quincipi Island. Quincy. South Park. South. Or Wavering Park. Ooh, Wavering. So you're not separating Mormon and Wavering. It's it's the two entities. Is that what we're doing? It's it is according to the Quincy Park District, they are two different entities. And I'm going from smallest to largest, is that right? Going from smallest to largest. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. This ooh. so there you go. Feel, that is your I question. I'm good about this one, but okay. We'll we'll All see right, how I'm doing when we come back I, and revisit at the end of the show. I know. All right. So that is the question of the day. We'll have that answer for you come up as well as that throwback ad. We'll have that coming up in just a few but right now we're going to dig into not digging we're flying we're flying high with silver bullets and Hold on. can i let me i just need to grab my my hat here my aluminum foil Let's get it on. there we go <laughs> there it is we're talking ufos and we're going to be doing that next here on wild quincy <laughs> wild things this is cindy make sure you listen and don't forget to go play putt putt astrophysicist and arguably one of the smartest people on the planet warned us about the possibility of aliens from outer space. Hawking says that if extraterrestrials visit us, the outcome might be similar to when Columbus landed in America. In other words, it didn't turn out too well for Native Americans. 
Why have you come to our planet? Your planet? Yes, this is our planet. No, it is not. I can see it now. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole. Flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait a minute, something's happening. A humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from that mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Now the whole field's caught up by the woods. The fires are gas heading everywhere. It's coming this way now. About 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Welcome to Earth. That's what I call a close encounter. Welcome back here to Wild Quincy, and we are talking about UFOs, those crazy flying saucers that are around the world, and uh, maybe around here in Quincy, Travis, there might be some that we have to talk about. Lots of connections that until we started digging into Wild Quincy, Chris, we they were completely not on our radar, or our outer Earth radar for that matter, <laughs> and we're, we're just pleased as punch to have uh, Terry Mosby join us today. Terry, welcome to Wild Quincy. Hey, good. How you guys? How's it going? We're good. We're good. So let's dig in first of all and talk about you. So uh, obviously, if you uh, know Terry, uh, she's very involved in a lot of the uh, paranormal aspects in the uh, tri-state area, and especially in the Quincy area. It talks about paranormal and uh, UFOs as well. And, and Terry, give us a little background on you first of all. Tell us, uh, you know, are you a lifelong Quincyan or, or how's that all go down? I am a lifelong Quincyan. I have to say, everybody knows me from the paranormal, but my my interest in UFOs started like way before <laughs> the ghosts did. But is that right? Yeah, my grandma used to take us out in the yard, and we would look for stuff in the seventies. And she, you know, we would see stuff flying around that just wasn't there at the time. You know, nobody could Photoshop some of the stuff that we saw. So it all started then, and then I kind of got back into the ghost, and then it's kind of like done full circle and i'm kind of like in the more than the ufos again so. <laughs> cyclical in nature i guess maybe yeah and uh you have belong or you are part of a paranormal group that's uh, kind of based out of quincy too right i do i run after dark paranormal that's based out of quincy now you have that but then the subject that we're talking about is about the mufon and about the mutual ufo network and talking about ufos in the in the quincy area and now terry we kind of talked about this a little bit but you have to fill me in are you a member or were you a member of MUFON? I am a member of MUFON. Okay. So give us a little background on how, how you got involved with MUFON. Well, actually, when we were in the fifth grade, our fifth grade teacher, Mr. French, used to take us out by Kmart. And that's where Quincy ended back in those days. <laughs> and we would skywatch. They would set up telescopes and talk about UFOs and what to look for. And us kids would go out there with him like they had monthly meetings back then. 
Wow. And, and so uh, I don't want to. I don't want to have to put a uh, a date, but uh, give us a time <laughs> frame when that was. That would have been in the middle seventies. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Now, now, Chris, here's a little trivia for everybody. And when was when was I mean, Roswell was one of the kind of things that really got things going crazy from a UFO standpoint. Was that sixties? I'm trying to remember when Roswell was off the top of my head. Roswell would have been in the fifties. The fifties. Okay, I was about ten years ahead. And did, did it feel like that was still pretty? I won't say cutting edge, maybe Terry, but I mean, was it still a lot of intrigue at that point, or was it? Was, were they kind of looking at the teacher like, man, what's his deal? Because obviously, <laughs> a lot of people have a healthy skepticism to anything that you know, is out of the ordinary, but how was that pretty well accepted as just a fun kind of alternative thing or how, how was that re- received publicly? I tell you what, back in the seventies when they had tiger beat magazine and all the girly <laughs> magazines, I used to take my allowance and go to key Rexall that's still uptown. And they, you wouldn't believe the UFO magazines they had and Bigfoot okay. and the Loch Ness monster. So it was very popular. Heavy in pop culture right then. That's interesting. That's cool. I love to hear that. Yeah. Talk about the mutual UFO network. It's a nationwide network. Uh, Terry, do you have any idea how many how many members they have? I mean, they have a ton, right? Yeah, I think they're only holding about seven thousand right now. Only, only seven thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good pocketful. <laughs> Yeah, but you know it, it's very impressive to take a look at where it comes from because, as like we mentioned in the last episode, this big nonprofit organization got its start right here in Quincy back in the '60s. And Terry, I don't know if you got a chance to look up some of this information or not, but I, I know you kind of dug into some of this. But I will throw this out real quick: was that MUFON was originally established in Quincy on May 31st of 1969, and there was a couple guys here in the Quincy area that were part of that original group. I'm going to probably butcher some of these names. Alan Utke, U-T-K-E, as well as Walter Andrus and John F. Schusler were part of those founding members. And Terry, you said you had a chance to kind of dig into that a little bit. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like uh, any of those uh, founding members are still uh, with us today. Yeah, I tried checking to see if maybe there was any relatives that would possibly have continued sure. on with the interest because I I would like to start up another small group in our area. I, I know there's one in Springfield, but I mean, if we have the interest, I'd be all about I think it would be fun to get people out there and do some sky watching around here. Well, uh, let me go ahead and say this. I would love to be part of that. However, you may have to talk to my wife. Uh, <laughs> <at least. laughs> the podcast keep me pretty busy. But uh, yeah, no, uh, that'd be something neat. I, and actually, I'm and somewhat surprised for as big of a town as Quincy is that there isn't a, a local chapter of this organization that's that's in town. Yeah, I am surprised. I know some people up in the Springfield area, and there's been a lot of sightings up around that area. So on their next meeting, I'm going to try and get up there and see if we can get some members because there's like 700 on their group. So I'm thinking maybe they would wow. be a little bit more spread out and maybe get some people down here. Because it's funny, it's almost like the paranormal. You get somebody talking and everybody's got a story. Right. <laughs> Right. Nobody wants to be the one leading with it, it sounds right. like. They just want to add to the pile. Now, as part of MUFON, do people like go to MUFON to report sightings? Is that like a database of sightings? Or how does how does somebody who's curious about the paranormal, or not paranormal, but uh, uh, potential aliens, how do they get involved with MUFON? Is it they talk to a local chapter about reporting something? or How does that work, Terry? Uh, yeah, MUFON, their members are busy. I mean, they have like a call-in. There's an actual registry. So if you think you see something and want to report it, you can even like upload your pictures on that website. 
They have a lot okay. of like, I mean, if you're interested in anything, you can get on there and watch TV programs, movies, stuff like that. So it, it's a big thing mm-hmm. to be part of that group. So where you got a little bit more access than the average person. Now, Terry, were you, it sounds like you were obviously familiar with MUFON's origins here in Quincy. Or was that a little bit of a shock to you as you became uh, more involved with MUFON? It was actually a shock because, you know, I don't remember that we went out there to MUFON. I just remember we went out by Kmart and Skywatched. <laughs> right. I don't I don't know if they adopted the name MUFON yet, if memory serves. Yeah, and I can't remember what the old group was. But still, that, that's so wild that an agency that, I mean, with 7,000 card members, if not more, uh, has its humble roots right here in Quincy, right. Illinois. Who would have thunk it, right? <laughs> right. Well, and I can actually uh, fill you in on some of that because I'm looking at an article from back in 1967. Okay. So this is before MUFON started. And it was an article about that the Tri-State UFO Discussion Group was meeting on Wednesday nights. Okay. And so at this particular meeting, which happened on September 27th, well, the article came out September 22nd of 1967, 150 people attended the meeting Wow. Any more than the meet last month meeting, they say in the article. So it was a huge attendance, and a lot of people came to these meetings that happened. This one, so this was they had monthly meetings because the next meeting was actually going to be in October of the next month. So uh, have, they had a, quite a few meetings. In this meeting in particular, I was actually trying to look up where uh, this gentleman from uh, the Motorola plant was uh, attending the meeting to show some of the pictures that he took of flying objects in the sky. So that was something that he looked at. And then as you mentioned, Terry, there was also discussion I saw back in the day of these articles saying that they would do kind of what you did and they would go out and roll Adams County and, and skywatch for the night and see what they saw. So it's uh, pretty neat to, to see some of this stuff. But Terry, I want to get into the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes and talking about some of these reports, because Quincy, uh, you would think there would be a lot of reports, but not a whole lot. But there's some reports out there we can talk about. So give us some of the details of some of the ones that you've heard of from other people or uh, maybe even had with you uh, on your own. Yeah, I haven't personally seen anything in the Quincy area, but uh, I-, I had talked to a lady that used to work at High V. This this story goes back 30 years ago. She was on her smoke break. She came out of the High V there on Broadway and looked over and she said it was your classic UFO. It was a round saucer with like a little glass dome on top and it was sitting about 20 feet above Steak and Shake. She said it sat there the whole 15 minute break and actually she was late and one of her uh, peers came out to get her and they sat and watched that thing for another 15 minutes. She said it was like three or four people from High V that actually saw this made no noise. It just sat there and hovered. And she said like two bright lights come out of it and went down to the ground. And it had wow. sat there that whole time. And then you know how you get to talking to people. So then she was telling me that her dad had some land out by the Adams County Fairground. And they had some donkeys and they were all started like making a bunch of noise. And he went out there and he said, literally, there was a UFO sitting at the end of his driveway. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, this would have been wow. This would have been like 40 plus years ago, probably because she said right? she was a little kid. And then she was telling me a story 
Uh, and then we got to laughing because she's she's like, you know, you've heard about where you lose time. She's like, I was driving one day to a friend and I don't even remember going to Columbia. And I'm like, well, you better pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah, a little time loss. Yeah, you hear that a lot. In those, but, uh, and then, well, then she was telling me this other story on Broadway. She said this would have been like 10 years ago. Her and her granddaughter was sitting outside and her granddaughter points up in the sky and goes, what's that? And she said there was that classical silver disc. Wow. And this would have been like on 75th and Broadway back in that subdivision. Oh, wow. So she's had like three or four encounters just. Man, she's yeah. a share, share the love a little bit. <laughs> she's having all the fun. Well, that brings up a point, you know, in, in, you know, Terry, both you and I have had a lot of paranormal experience in doing paranormal investigating. It always seems like there's that one or two people that are like a magnet and right. things always happen with them. Do you think that's also the case with UFOs? It sounds like this lady might be in that same situation. I think so. Uh, there's a friend of mine that's on Facebook. I haven't met him yet. He's out of Texas and it's Terry Loveless and his UFO story took place in, down in Southern Missouri. And I mean, if half of that book is true, it just blows my mind. I've probably read it like six or seven times because <laughs> you just can't believe it. You know, I I think I've seen two in my lifetime. One was outside of Jerseyville. And then there was another one that was down by Alton. And they say that there are a lot of sightings between Grafton and Alton. So. Right. I've heard that. Yeah. What's, what's that book called? It is called The Incident at Devil's Den. Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, I've read that one, actually. it's real. I listened to the audiobook, a really good book. I'll tell you what we'll do here. Uh, we'll put that on our description, Travis, so if anybody wants to grab that, yeah, give us give us a penny or two along the way, <laughs> because it is a good book. You can get the audiobook as well, and I mean, I was fascinated. He's got a new one that it's coming out? Or he's got has- a new one out, too. Okay. It, yeah, he kind of like wraps it up, and then he, um, so many people contacted him over their stories, so there's like 30 or 40 personal stories that he added into this new book. And he was in the military at the time, if I don't, if I remember yeah. correctly. And then he also gets into that book a little bit about, uh, you know, especially in the late 40s and early 50s when the nuclear race was really getting going. You had all these nuclear silos throughout the country that there was a lot of instant instances where there was UFO activity like right around those those silos, which is kind of scary to think about, too. Well, it makes you wonder, are they watching us? You know, they're probably like, what are they stirring up there? Because I think there's right. still there's quite a few incidents still around some of these big ones yeah. that we have well it actually reminds me there's a i think the video is out there i if it is we'll put it on we'll put it on our notes but there's a video about this uh i know it was reported they talked to the guy he worked for the military and they shot up they were shooting up a nuclear warhead but i don't think it had the nuclear capabilities and all of a sudden as they were shooting the video traps get this man it's crazy <laughs> They were shooting the video in California. It was like 100 miles away or something where the, the the missile was going up. And all of a sudden, there's this little dot that's going around and shooting lasers into the nuke really quick or into the bomb really quick. And then it just duds out and it stops. Are it you like completely me? collapses. No. I've seen that. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah, video. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, if we if we can track that down, I'll make sure to put that on there. But yeah, so there's a lot of uh, neat stories, and and I want to actually point out one of these. Kind of going back, I was able to go through some of the newspaper clippings from the Herald Wig and some of the other newspapers, and it seems like that. And this is a discussion we can have too, because it does seem interesting that 
you have more and more activity post Roswell. It seems like once Roswell hits, then all of a sudden there's all these reports and UFOs are everywhere. However, I will tell you this. I haven't found this newspaper article yet, but there's a 1969 newspaper article that I found in the Herald Wig referring to microfilm from April of 1897 talking about a UFO flying saucer incident in the Quincy area. Ooh, wow. Yes. So going all the way back to 1897, then supposedly from what I little was in this article talked about that it started, it was in the Quincy area first spotted and then it moved over to Jacksonville and I think down south of Springfield and it was, it was spotted the whole way. You know, that's interesting, Chris. Uh, I believe a friend of the show, Robert Turek, on his uh, Quincy from Above wrote a little bit about these, uh, maybe not UFO, but unidentified flying objects that were a lot like what Thomas Scott Baldwin was working on. Mm. It sounds like they were doing some nighttime tests. I wonder if that's the same kind of story or a different thing. Uh, we'll, we'll put a link. Well, if I remember, I'll put a link to Robert's article that he put together on that. But you got to wonder. Well, and it's it makes you wonder. This one in particular had like lights on it too, and for an 1897 that, vehicle right. that lights would on be it, pretty impressive. It was, like a, <laughs> yeah. it was green and red lights, and I mean, I'm pretty right. sure Ooh. the Wright brothers weren't even in the air at no. that point in time. <laughs> That's I yeah we'll have to check into that Chris that's interesting that's really it interesting is. so if we get get some more time we'll have to go into the microfilm because unfortunately our archives that we go through online I looked that up because I'm like I got to go to April of 1897 and I go there and it's yeah, not there it. <laughs> so I'm like darn it so I got to go got to go do the the heavy lifting now at the library but the one of the other ones that I have here is going back again you so. Roswell, if I'm not mistaken, you said 50s. I think it was like real late, late 40s when that happened. But this event happened in Quincy. I'll just read this one real quick. This was from a July 8th of 1947 article. It says, more saucers for the title. Then it says, the saucers were flying over Quincy again Tuesday evening. Six picnickers at the Lawrence Schmidt place on the bluff above the North Bottom Road, four miles north of Quincy, reported the sighting of a disc. The first was seen high in the sky at 6.55 Tuesday evening, traveling eastward from the southwest. Exactly one hour later, a disc was sighted flying in the opposite direction towards the southwest. The picnic party seemed positive the tangible nature of the flying disc, which resembled a ball rather than a saucer, the object was described as appeared to be in about the size of a handball, although distance made accurate estimates of this size impossible. The object was shiny, traveling at high speed, and disappeared suddenly. Boy, that sounds like classic UFO yeah, it does. doesn't it? What year was that again, Chris? That was uh, back in 1947. Interesting. Okay. And 47 is Roswell. I looked that up. Okay, okay. So okay. right there at now, the line. Now, yeah. Terry, seeing you bring it up uh, on your Facebook page before, I don't know how much details you know about it. I don't really know anything about it. There was another big incident that happened in southeast Missouri, right? In Cape Girardeau in 1941. There was a crash, and they went and called the, the preacher to come out because they thought it was an airplane. And he gets out there, and he describes a shiny silver disc that had, like, Egyptian lithographs stamped right. in the meadow and there was three bodies there was like two in the craft and there was one on the ground and he was called out there to do last rites on these little <laughs> people but he said they were like they had silver suits on and they were like the size of a maybe eight ten year old child and he didn't tell because here come the military and whisk him off and brought him back into town because it was like i think it's they said it took him 25 minutes 
so to get there so it was outside of town and um, actually michael huntington lives down there and he has sent me some actual pictures of the supposed crash light of course now it's a cornfield so you know right. you really can't <laughs> tell but i mean he pretty well kept it a secret until his deathbed and then he, he told his granddaughter and she's kind of like kept the story going and uh wow. there's a, a george dunning i think his name is he wrote a small book about it do you know what the name of that one is by any chance? Uh, it is the Cape Girardeau 1941 UFO incident. Oh, okay. Well, we'll put that one on our thing too, but I need to buy that one because I haven't read that one yet. We're so. dropping all kinds of knowledge on everybody <laughs> now. You're going to be book smart and ready to roll. So yeah, that was one I was kind of was curious about because I remember them talking about that there was actual, you know, bodies that were there. And so, and yeah. it's, that was, that was pre Roswell. That's the crazy part. Right. And the town really doesn't play on it. Yeah. I mean, they've done like a 75 anniversary, but the town really doesn't want nothing no, to do no with it. No tourism boom like, off that. You have like a big event, yeah. you know, because it was like, I was going to come down if they had like a, a yearly event. And he's like, no, they don't. Do They're missing the boat well, on those tourism bucks. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. I can tell you from experience, I live in a town where the famous Momo is from. I was the chamber director for multiple <laughs> years in this town. I can tell you, I had real inspirations of bringing back Momo days because it was a thing in the six or in the the 80s and then it went away and now people don't really want to be known for that it's kind of weird right. yeah uh, a lot of the older older generations uh, don't want to be known for that and they kind of want it to go away but there's a younger influence that may be coming along that changes that but again it's I think Cape Girardeau was probably in the same circumstances where they're like okay we don't really want to talk about Chris that how stuff. is there not a mural of Momo in that town uh, I, you want to paint it, man? You got I a mean, mural right of everything ahead. else. I love the fake window, <laughs> the fake mural painter. That's my favorite. Yeah. That's so meta. So, Anyways. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, I get it. It's unfortunate, the those communities. I mean, you, what, you got other, Roswell stepped into it when they, they oh, really yeah. dove deep into the whole concept. And even Mount Pleasant with, with uh, Mothman oh, down shoot. there, Mount uh, uh Point Pleasant. Pleasant. I'm Point sorry. Pleasant, Point Pleasant, yeah. West Virginia. Yeah. That's another place that has that really steps into that uh, sort of paranormal stuff. Uh, there's another one here I want to mention before we go on to uh, something else. And I found this one uh, kind of intriguing. This is from a December 16th of 1969 article. And the title of it says, Did you see the UFO on November 30th? And uh, I'll read this. It's not too long. UFO believers are asking for help. A bright, unidentified flying object was reported to have swooped down over a car near Quincy on November 30th, causing the car to lift off the highway. Mm. Three persons riding in the car all told the same story concerning the bright flying object and the lifting. Now, members of the Tri-State UFO Study Group are hunting for other persons who might have seen such an object that night. Walt Andrus, one of the club's members, most active members, said reports of cars lifting off the road are not unusual. Hmm. He cited several similar incidences reported from other parts of the country. Andrews gave this account of the November 30th report. And uh, it just reads here, A couple and their son, 11, were driving on Route 96 between Payson and Plainville shortly after dark when they spotted a bright object flying parallel to the car. The car was traveling about 60 miles per hour, and the object continued to keep pace with it for about two miles. It remained about 200 yards away until it suddenly made an abrupt right-angle turn and came straight across the highway. The object dipped down and passed about 50 feet above the car, then pulled up suddenly and disappeared over a row of trees. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you heard Travis say, interesting, because that leans into what we're going to talk about 
about next. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking you might be teasing something there, Chris. Yeah, so you heard there that it happened on Route 96 between Payson and Plainville. Terry, we're going to tell this story like we did when we had our conversation, because this is something that we just started talking about this UFO stuff a few weeks ago and coming on and having you come on. You gave an encounter with your, what happened with your, I believe it was your brother, right? It was my brother. And so then we started connecting some of the stories together, the story together with what your family experienced and what my family experienced, and we think we might have had the same experience experience so i'll let you start i feel Give so us the left story. out right now I, I just look such a third wheel no go on this is great i can't wait well i'll let you start with your side of the story and then i'll, I'll add on to that so tell me what you told me back then okay well actually this would have been on highway 96 it was my brother and this would have been oh gosh it would have had to been 80 80 to somewhere in between there he used to uh date a girl and she lived in payson so he was going out highway 96 and he said that he saw a bright light it pulled up on his car it shined down through the windshield right above the tree line but it was by payson school okay because that's where he turned off because she lived like on a gravel road down from there so he came into he would come in the highway and then get on that gravel road and he said it was just a bright ball of light wow so the reason where this connects in is because we had a discussion uh, about my family's incident and i have did not unfortunately have a chance to talk to my brother i uh, hopefully maybe when we get to our review in a couple weeks of the season we'll be able to kind of recap this but i'll give you what i know because i was pretty young at that time however it was around the same time it, we even thought wasn't it in may yes it, w- it would have been in the summer beginning of summer he said and so that matches up with our family's experience and we i believe it was in may as well um i wasn't real sure about the date but it connects because my family's farm is uh, on playing the blacktop so it's not too far away from 96 it's pretty close to payson but our experience happened to where my dad and my brother were going somewhere and uh, came and met up with uh, a neighbor of ours and he's like what the heck was going on in your field the other night and dad's like well what are you talking about and the guy was saying there's a bunch of lights in your field the other night i don't understand what the heck was going on it looked like there was a party going on back there dad's like it was like a weekday night or something it wasn't like a special you know my brother was only like 10 at the time probably so i'm sure he wasn't having partying at that time um Later on, saying, he was. Are you saying Ted was a bit of a partier now, Chris? <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Not throwing not your brother under the, under the bus. Okay. No. No. So anyway, so this is a neighbor. And ironically, this is a neighbor. Travis used to live in that area too, growing up. This is a neighbor yeah. that was pretty close to Travis's house as well. We go. I don't. I like I said, I'm pretty young. But my dad goes back into this area to see if there was somebody out there partying or, or what the deal was, and he comes across this uh, field that uh, all of a sudden has some of the crops knocked down in the field. And I'm, I'm, I think it may have been wheat, but it may have been, I would assume if it was in May, it was probably going to be wheat because, or it could have been corn because corn wouldn't have been that high yet, but it was in the shape of circle. It was a crop circle we had on our family wow. farm. And unfortunately, 
I was a little too young. I don't remember it, but our neighbors saw it, uh, and my dad saw it, uh, my brother saw it. So uh, yeah, it, so it connects some things together, which I always thought crop circles were a bunch of boohoo. It just it didn't make a whole lot of sense that you know they're making these intricate designs. But this was not an intricate design. This was a circle. Hmm. Well, there used to be a lot of sightings out towards the Pace and Plainville area back in in the early '80s too. So. Hmm. Might be onto something. <laughs> yeah. And Chris, talk about where that field was located in proximity to like popular roads or, or, or things like that. It was kind of off the beaten path, right? Yeah, it's not. It wasn't close. It, actually, it was pretty hard to get back there in general. So, and that's the thing. You do see some of those videos today where they have the the two by four with the rope, and they're right. able to make those crop circles. Obviously, this is pretty much before that. But it's also it wouldn't be. Why would you go back in the middle of this field? That's probably a good three quarters of a mile away from a gravel road, let alone a blacktop road, and and do this. So. That's a little intriguing. Also, the area is one of the tallest areas in the county as well. It's uh, it's probably up there in like the number two or three spot of height in this county. Uh, I don't know if, what significance that may have. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want people like getting on the farm and doing UFO right, investigations. Right. My brother being right. like, what's going on? Uh, it's really close in the vicinity of like the uh, FS and there's a substation on Plainville Blacktop. Uh, so it's in that, that neck of the woods where you see the the fs i I guess it's called uh, prairie land fs now so but yeah that's that's our story it's uh kind of crazy that we have a ufo experience on our farm but now that never obviously made it into the news or probably just only kind of family passed down information and you'd think if it was a bunch of kids doing some shenanigans I mean, a if it was me, I'd want to do it on like full a full stand of corn that's like seven foot tall because that's going to have like way more impact than like a you know May corn. Not maybe yeah. ankles knee maybe best. And why wouldn't there be more if it was just like you know people doing shenanigans out? You know, you think that'd be like a weekend activity, yeah. not a weekday. First off, yeah, right. you would hear right. more reports. It's yeah. very curious. Very curious. I mean, with wheat, with wheat, you could. Om- I mean, it'd be really hard to justify that from a, in a you know a scientific standpoint. Obviously, in heavy rainfalls, you have a lot of falling of the wheat, but in a not circular a pattern, circle. that's not. No. There's no, no way it'd be patchy and look like all crazy. It wouldn't look like that. That concentrated area. That's pretty wild, Chris. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it, it does connect it together, and it's uh, very intriguing. About like you said, Terry, the background of how much in that Payson area there seems like there's a lot going on which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why that would be a focal point but I guess it is and it might have been the farm grounds or something that they were doing you know back in the 80s to where it's I'm sure it's changed in the last 50 years but yeah Chris you guys just had hogs not cattle right oh we had a few cows at that time no 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 they're not gonna put a circle down No, (laughs) they're definitely not going to sit in a perfect circle. Uh, Yeah. So, well, Terry, this has been a great experience. We certainly enjoyed having you on and uh, we'll probably have more of this coming up. And and you're going to we would love it if you had more information to pass along as we go along. If anybody else comes forward to you or the the MUFON thing and Quincy comes along, we'd love to promote that. So let us know. Okay, I sure will. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Terry. Well, thanks for having me. Good seeing you guys again. (laughs) Good to see you too. Well, that's a look at those flying saucers here in the Quincy area. We'll be back with more next on Wild Quincy.
You can just feel it in the air. Wind. Nah, you can feel the fun of the Adams County Fair going on right now and lasting through next Wednesday. Why, tomorrow night you got a mighty tractor pull. You'll hear country music's Patty Loveless sing her hits on Sunday night at 8. Then get ready for recording star Garth Brooks and his slam bang show Monday night at 8. Why, aside from music, food, and fun, there's the old time exhibition with antique farm equipment and crafts from yesteryear, too. Your family's ready for some good old-fashioned county fair fun at the Adams County Fair, north on the Menden Fowler Blacktop off Highway 24. Travis, this is a throwback ad you don't see very often. It's a 1990 throwback ad for none other than one of our favorite events, one of my favorite events in the year, the Adams County Fair. Blame it all on my roots. <laughs> I showed up in boots. Throwing your blinds out there. Nice. Oh, Chris. So, we were so young, so innocent. Little did we know. That Garth Motherflippin Brooks <laughs> was gonna blow everybody out of the water in a couple of years. And he was such right an there. unknown at that time. He he was not yeah. very well known. Not very many people knew that he was he was gonna be what the superstar he is today. And not only that, Travis, I was not there. I was I was probably there, but I wasn't into the concerts at that point in yeah, time. Sure. But it rained really hard the night that Garth was there at the Adams County Fair. It rained so hard, in fact, they moved him off the stage and moved him to the place where the teen dances used to happen at, or might really? still happen, really. Well, life is like a river flowing as it goes, Chris. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's all the Brooke songs I know off the top of my head. Is I didn't know that, so they played in the teen dance building. Yes, yes, they had to play in the, the teen dance building, and so that's where Garth performed, and then, of course, Patty Loveless also performed, and, uh, you know, uh, we all have friends in low places, so. Uh, don't we, though? <laughs> I, I love the Adams County Fair. I have a bunch of memories from that. I mean, oh, it's great. It's a good time. So, uh, and the reason we bring that up, uh, obviously, it's uh, getting towards the end of the season, but it is also that time for fair season. And Adams County Fair is coming up right around the corner. We don't want to get into too much detail about the history, like we usually do, uh, of a, a business. Because there will be a future episode for the Adams County Fair, and uh, we'll be doing that sometime in the future. So we don't want to get too much of the details, but of course, we always like to reminisce and have a look at the fun times. Travis, I showed hogs at the Adams County Fair for nine years. That's something. That's, that's... <laughs> It's something, right? No, I, no, honestly, I mean, that... No joking aside, I mean, that's super impressive. Like all of the stuff those FFA kids have to do, that's a lot of work. That, I mean, yeah, 4-H too. Four, it was more 4-H yeah. with, with sure, the Adams sure, sure. but the right, FFA did right. show there every once in a while. No, but I don't think people realize how hard these kids are working out there, oh, yeah. so props. Yeah, Seriously. so make sure to take, and even if you're heading out to the Adams County Fair, take a minute to, to walk around those different Quonset huts and, and take a look at some of those uh, projects, because uh, yeah, I was doing those. Buy those kids some beers. They're working hard. <laughs> Jokes, root beers, root beers, Come root on. beers. Oh wow! So yeah, we want to uh, give a throw out to that. But yeah, Garth Brooks, the 1990. It was a rumor. There was a lot of people like, oh, Garth Brooks wasn't at the Adams County Fair. He right. was at the Adams County Fair. There's your proof. We'll throw that up on our Facebook page too, uh, so you can take a look at that video. We're trying to figure out who did the voiceover. We have no idea. Doesn't sound like any local uh, local guys like making a an accent or something. I don't know what no. it was. It was really something. Uh, Travis, this is the season finale. How crazy is that? Pretty, pretty. 
pretty crazy. crazy. We have one more episode, though, to wrap up and uh, put a nice little bow on season one, the inaugural season of Wild Quincy. We're going to review the episodes that we've done so far because, as I mentioned before, we've had a lot of additional information come in after the fact. One that pops to the top of my head is that we had the Jacksonville Library send us a bunch of articles for Michael McCluskey after right. we got done with that uh, episode. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll catch up on some of those things, give you some updates on the other things, and uh, just give you an overall wrap. It's not going to be a normal episode. We won't have like a throwback ad or a question of the day. We're just going to get yeah. to the meat and potatoes uh, and grind it out and uh, let you know what we missed and what we got wrong in season one. Because as we told you at the very beginning, the intro episode is we love Quincy. We are not those uh, experts at history no. at Quincy. Yeah, love Lovers, not experts. That's that's, that's right. the name of the game over here. Travis, ready for the question of the day? I I've got, oh, got the my piece of paper. notes <laughs> right here. All right, I well, think I'm ready. Here's your question of the day. There are 26 city-owned public parks in Quincy, from smallest to largest. Can you rank the following parks by size? Here they are again in alphabetical order. They are Mormon Park, Quincy Island, South Park, and Wavering. Park. All right, Travis, since you have to do all four here, we're going to start out with what is your smallest? All right. This is a tricky question. Like I, I'm, I'm acting like I got it right, but I, I don't know. It could be surprising. Okay. So we'll go down here. My smallest on the list here, I have as wavering. You are correct. Okay. So right. far, one for one. All right. What's and the third smallest? That's when it gets real tricky. Okay. Because Mormon and Quincy are running on my second, but I'm going to say that Mormon is the set number two. Is the is the third smallest? Uh, or is, the, is, yeah. is, is third in the rank? So it'd be, yeah. So so Wavering is the smallest. Okay. You no, got that no, one No, I'm right. sorry. No, number two. So no, number three. My number third, the third one would be Quincy. That is incorrect. Oh, I, I was lying because I thought you yeah, were showing your poker face there. It's, I, I actually had Mormon, to be honest. <laughs> is it right? Really? No, see, look, look, look. <laughs> you do. That would have been right. That would have been uh, right. <laughs> I thought you were like getting ready to say you're wrong, and then I was like backpedaling, trying to lie my, my way into the right answer. Okay, so if Travis was completely honest, I would have been so far two for two, right? Yep, yep. And then so okay. your next one, the the second largest or the second to the largest would be what? Would Quincy? That would be correct. Which would make your largest and South Park. South, South Park. Park. Not too Why bad. I'll give you. Oh. I'll give you seventy five percent on that. I'll your eyes were shifty, like like you were getting ready to throw the hammer. And like you suck. You're wrong. <laughs> oh was, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Just to give you a recap, the smallest okay. is wavering. It's at forty seven acres. Mormon Park comes in at eighty acres. Quincipe Island's a hundred and thirty acres. And this is the shocker uh, to me. It was South Park. Only five acres larger, 135 acres. So pretty close between Quincipe and South Park. It's that backside of South Park that's yeah. hiding over the, across the creek. My, it's where, you know, it, nobody thinks about that side very yeah. much when you're not sledding anyways. So that's that was your question of the day. Travis gets a 75%. He gets a C. Yeah, well, I, get, I think one. I got caught cheating, so I might have got disqualified on that one. Let's be honest, Chris. <laughs> we'll ax that out of your percentages. All right, thank you. Well, guys, we thank you so much for uh, being a part of season one of this wild thing we called Wild Quincy. And uh, we'll be back a few weeks for the review. We'll be back next week on the Patreon episode. Travis, are we missing anything? You know, 
I'm sure we are, but there's no episode like the next episode to circle back and catch everything that slipped through the crack this time. Very true. Well, for Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Ketters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>